When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Chasing Perfection, a UConn women's basketball podcast. I'm Daniel Connolly here with Megan Gower. We've wrapped up the season. We've previewed the WNBA. Now we're going to do a way too early look at next season. Should be a pretty interesting year. UConn returns a lot. It also loses a lot. But exactly how much of an impact those losses will have can definitely be debated by how you feel about some of the graduating players. So it's a very interesting look at next year's team. It's not like the year before where they were returning everyone from a final four team and they added a great freshman class and we thought they were just going to be dominant. Obviously some things interfered. And as we now know, there's a lot that can happen not only between now and November, but between November and March. So again, a very early very broad look at some of our early thoughts at next season's team. What are the general vibes you have going into next year? How do you feel in general about what next year's team is going to look like? I still think they're going to be a really solid team. I still think you're kind of similar to this year, looking at UConn and South Carolina being the top tier of women's college basketball. Stanford maybe threw them in there, but they lost, I think, even more than UConn has. So it really kind of feels like, once again, it's going to be this this tier of UConn and South Carolina. Yeah, South Carolina is still going to be the team to beat because they have a Leah Boston. It doesn't even matter who the other players that they have are. And that's not a knock on the rest of their team because they do have a pretty strong team overall. But a Leah Boston is what makes South Carolina so tough to defend, so tough to beat. Destiny Henderson, the way she played in the national championship game, that hurts for them. They did lose some players to the transfer portal, but they did add some players in the transfer portal. Regardless, they're the national champions and they still have Aliyah Boston. They're the team to beat. I do think South Carolina's going to, not South Carolina, Stanford's going to stay in that upper echelon just because they still have Haley Jones and Cameron Brink mostly, but losing the whole twins hurts. That's a big part of your team. They are bringing in the number one freshman in the country. I don't think they're going to be the same level of contender that they were this year, but they still have those veteran players. They still have a pretty strong core. I don't think they will take a huge step back. They just might not be necessarily a shoe in for the final four like they were this year. Right, exactly. I still think they're going to be in, you know, a top team, but I, I do think they've lost a little bit more. And like you said, though, Haley Jones, Cameron Brink, that's a really good core to be starting with. Right. Who are some other teams that you think could be interesting next year? I think Louisville could be right back in that mix with Haley Van Lith. I mean, again, she's the centerpiece there. If you have her, you're in pretty good shape. 
Yeah, I think Louisville is definitely up there. Honestly, like I still need to like catch myself up on how all this transfer stuff has fallen too, because I think that changes the the picture a lot. Lots was good this year. Sorry, I'm not coming. Well, Kim Mulkey and LSU were oh, yeah. probably one of the biggest surprises, and they added Angel Reese. Yeah, they've really, and they added a couple other players too. I'm blanking on from the the transfer portal as well. So they're a team that's restocked in a lot of ways. Same thing with Baylor. I mean, they've obviously lost a huge piece to Melissa Smith, but also restocked nicely from the transfer market. I feel like you, of course, have to talk about um, like Iowa too, because you still have Caitlin Clark. But I do think that they won't be quite as good in that top tier. Um, yeah, I'm not sold Texas on Iowa too. being a decent team. Yeah, Texas too. I think you've got. Oh yeah, Texas is a good team one. That was very solid this year. That's that's bringing back a lot of pieces, so that should be interesting as well. So yeah, I think that's kind of it that I would put in those like the contender tier. I think there's other teams that could be interesting, but I think that's kind of the top tier. Yeah, I think that's a pretty fair list. It does really have the vibe that it's going to be UConn and South Carolina, though, almost in the way that it was UConn and Tennessee. I feel like that's almost a better comparison here than UConn and Notre Dame because of just how much Notre Dame was never actually a real contender for national championships. I mean, they won two in a 20-year span, basically, and South Carolina's won two in a six-year span. Very much has the vibe of South or of Tennessee, where these two teams are going to be battling for supremacy. We just saw it. It was the national championship game. I would not be surprised if it was the national championship game again this upcoming year. Again, barring injuries, which we all know <laughs> a very <laughs> quick way of changing the outlook of a team season. Yeah, exactly. So hopefully we'll actually get to see, you know, UConn and South Carolina at full strength for the majority of of next season. I think that's important. So when you look at UConn's roster, the number one thing you have to mention is the departures of Kristen Williams, Olivia Nelson, Adota, and Avina Westbrook. I think they're pretty well equipped to handle the loss of Westbrook and Kristen Williams, just in the fact that they already have a really good group of guards. Paige Beckers is going to be fully healthy in the way that she wasn't in the NCAA tournament. AZ FUD should be fully healthy and should be more consistent, you would hope, as a sophomore and, you know, a little more assertive maybe the way that she was down the stretch. Same thing with Caroline Ducharme, who wasn't the same player after suffering that head injury. But if Ducharme is a lot closer to what she was when she was the team's leading scorer for a lot of the year, when Paige Beckers was out and, you know, Nika Mule, who just consistently is that player who you don't really know how, but they're just a better team when she's on the floor. There's no rhyme or reason to it. I mean, there is, but just to be a little dramatic here, <laughs> it's almost like you can't figure out why they're so much better when she's on the floor, but you put her out there and the results speak for themselves. That group of four, it's thin, but it's a really, really strong group. Then you've got Lou Lopez Seneschal, who you know remains to be seen how much of an impact she's going to have, at least in terms of the backcourt. You know, I think it would have been nice to have a player like Avina back for another year, but with the way that Kristen Williams was inconsistent and how much they needed to rely on her, 
without actually knowing how much they could rely on her. I feel like they're going to be in better shape. Just, you know what you're going to get out of a healthy page Beckers. I feel like next year you're going to have a pretty good idea of what you're going to get out of Ducharme and AZ FUD. I'm really interested in how Nika Mule could potentially develop offensively because she's such a great passer and she can knock down three pointers when she takes them. Can she add a little bit more scoring? It doesn't need to be a ton, but just to be a scoring threat to take the pressure off of some of the other players that she's on the floor with. It's a really good group. It's a really interesting group. And it's going to be a group that decides just how good UConn is, I think. Yeah. And I think that Claire four obviously has the potential to be probably the best backcourt backcourt in the country. I mean, just page backers and AZ Fudd alone pretty much puts them in that, that category, but then add Ducharme and, and Mule to that. I think you've got a really solid group. Yeah, it's a little thin. So everyone staying healthy is going to be extremely important, but I think in terms of talent, UConn's going to have a, a leg up in that area, especially because we haven't even seen like what healthy page backers and a healthy AZ Fudd looks like together on the floor. Like that's, that didn't happen at all last season. I love the use of the core four. I think that term <laughs> should be used as much as possible. That is one of the proudest achievements of my career is helping core four become a regular term for the 2019, 20 Yukon women's basketball team even got to ESPN. <laughs> then Anna Makarot threw a wrench in all of that, which isn't the end of the world. I think, I think I've already talked about how Anna Makarot would just be perfect for this year's team. Right. Yeah, because they do need, they need like a little bit more depth in that front court. Hopefully, uh, Lopez Sanchez will play out and provide that, but having a player you knew could play that role would have been crucial for this team. She would have been a senior this year on a That's crazy. How, how is that possible? I don't know. I mean, our, our, Aubrey Griffin should be a senior. I, she'll be in her fourth year, which is just, I don't know. I mean, Paige Beckers is going to be a junior. How did that happen? seriously seriously (laughs) yeah it's I don't like to think of things like that because then I feel old and I'm not supposed to feel old being two years out of college (laughs) yeah well I'm officially six years out of college out of this week as of this weekend so I'm feeling anyway (laughs) they don't have on a though they gotta make do with what they have I think the only reason that you'd be concerned about this group of guards though is just the depth because Nika Mule's got a history of injuries. AZ Fudd's got a history of injuries. Caroline Ducharme has a history of injuries, even though those haven't necessarily come through at UConn as much. I mean, you can't really blame the head injury on being injury prone or anything. And it is having the hip surgery, but just something to monitor. Paige Beckers, I wouldn't really throw in that category because she's just had the knee. Otherwise, she's been pretty healthy. I, I guess she did have the ankle last year, but I don't think that affected her too much. That is just really the only concern, and it's something that's not really in their control. You can't control if players are going to get hurt or not. So I think you just do as much preventative stuff as you can and then keep your fingers crossed. Yeah. I feel like they should have some good karma coming in that department after the year that they've had. So hopefully things will go the other way next year. They've been cursed, whether in terms of injuries or bad luck on the court and the way the ball's bounced for six years now. (laughs) So I don't know if they need to perform like a Ted Lasso style exorcism or (laughs) do something bathe worth in holy water they got to do something to try and turn the luck around because it's been so bad going from mississippi state 
to Notre Dame to all the injuries. I, I wouldn't really say the pandemic. The pandemic probably helped them more than anything, keeping the Final Four streak alive. But just so much bad luck ever since Brianna Stewart graduated. I don't know what it is, but they're cursed for some reason. You got to reverse the curse. The front court is probably the more interesting place to talk about because you've got Dorka Juhas back, whose presence I don't think you can say how important that is enough. Without her, it would be Aaliyah Edwards and a bunch of unproven players. Dorka's proven at this level. She's shown that she can play at the UConn level, even though she was inconsistent. I think a year under her belt, especially if she can get fully healthy, for risk and heal, she had a bunch of other nagging injuries that kept her out a couple times. If she can be fully healthy and play at the level that she was previously at Ohio State and the flashes that she showed, I think she could be a really good player. I don't think all-American type, but mm-hmm. I don't think all conferences out of the realm of possibility if she's the type of player that we think she could be. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think when you look at assuming everyone is healthy, what this like starting front court is, is probably Dorky Uhas and then Aaliyah Edwards. I think they're in really good shape. I feel like a lot of people have a lot of concern about the size, but I think that's a really, really solid starting front court. And I do think there's some question marks after that. But I think in terms of what you have there, they're they're in really good shape. And I mean, yeah, Aaliyah Boston's still going to be a challenge to guard. But I think when you're looking at them versus the rest of the country, like aside from Aaliyah Boston, the front court's very talented still. Also, who did you not have in that national championship game? Yeah. Who is probably <laughs> best equipped to go against Aaliyah Boston? Dorka Yuhas. The number of tweets that I get that say UConn needs a 6'5 big who's physical. Yes, her name is Dorka Yuhas. Her wrist was in 500 pieces at the final four. People just really seem to be forgetting that. I don't know if the game goes differently if they have Dorky Uhas, but they probably don't give up as many offensive rebounds. They probably, I mean, not that Aaliyah Boston went off, but they probably could have put more attention on Destiny Henderson if you had Dorky Uhas. She's the combination of height and physicality where you had Olivia Nelson Adota who has the height, not the physicality, and Aaliyah Edwards who has the physicality, but not the height. She's got both of them. That was such a huge loss that I don't really think went. I mean, there were so many things in that game that it's hard to say that one injured player would have completely turned the tide. But I think she just doesn't get enough credit for how she played this season. And, you know, I I do feel like it's a little bit of a cop out to say that the injuries were the reason that she didn't necessarily play great all season because there were just some natural inconsistencies there too. Wasn't there a stretch where she just might've been in the NCAA tournament even where for some reason she just couldn't find the basket on layups, but then eventually hit like the hardest shot that she took. Yep. I think it was an NCAA tournament or maybe it was the biggest tournament. I can't remember which one, but that definitely did happen. (laughs) There is still a certain degree of proving herself that she needs to get through, but even if she's not a star for this team, and she's just a solid post player, that's still a lot better than most other teams in the country have. (laughs) When you also add in the fact that there's Aaliyah Edwards, who has the potential to be that star for UConn, and you just hope that she doesn't come out in a funk like she did this past year. She can use this summer. But if I'm UConn, I'm keeping Aaliyah Edwards as far away as possible from the Canadian national team because whatever happened with her last summer 
did not benefit her. I don't know what happened, but being with the Canadian national team did not end up being a benefit to her. So if you can get her on campus and get her into workouts individual and with the team, she really has the potential to take a huge step forward and to go from being a really nice piece, either in the starting lineup or on the bench, but a really nice role player into a legitimately dominant post presence that UConn hasn't had in a really long time. I don't think that is out of the realm of possibility for her to make that leap from this season to next because of the flashes that we've seen. And the fact that she basically finished this season at the exact same spot that she finished the year before. So if she can finally take that step forward. We're talking about UConn having a post player. That's going to be very, very difficult for 95% of the teams in the country to stop whether or yeah. not she can get there. Yeah. We got to see, but it's possible. Yeah, exactly. I think what we saw from her at the end of last season and then again at the end of this season, if they can, if that can be Ali Edwards' starting point next year, I think UConn's in really good shape. I think she's a player, like you said, that has potential to cause a lot of problems for most of the country. And I feel like she, on just both ends of the floor, too, I think what stands out to me is like if you go back to the Big East tournament, the way she just totally shut down Maddie Seagrass, the player's like a top 10 player in the country having that impact on the defensive end, especially when you're losing Olivia Nelson and Dota, who was a really strong defensive player. Uh, Edwards is going to be huge for this team going into next season. Yeah. She's such an interesting player in that on offense, I think she can be a dominant post player, but on the defensive end, she can be utilized almost more like a wing, especially when you have Dorka Juhas down there and then whatever contributions you might get from either Amari DeBerry or Ice Brady or even Ayanna Patterson to a degree, you can almost utilize her as a defensive weapon wherever you need her. Maybe everywhere but point guard or two guard where you might want to put Nika Mule or AZ Fudd on one of those players, but she can guard three through five. That is such a valuable weapon to have on the defensive end. So there's a leap that she needs to take because she needs to get better at you know creating her own shot to a certain degree, getting more consistent on jumpers. She can be a three-point threat somewhere around 30% would just be enough to keep defenses honest. That opens up the lane for her. That opens up the mid-range game for her. It's just, will she make that leap? I think that's probably going to be, in my opinion, that's the biggest question mark that this team faces is how good is Aaliyah Edwards going to be? Because you know what you're going to get out of Paige Beckers and that alone is going to cover up any other problems in the backcourt on top of the development that Nika Mule, Caroline Ducharme, and AZ Fudd are going to make. Dorka Juhas, I think, is just going to be at a certain level that's good enough. And yeah, if she's really good, that's great. And if she's kind of good, if she's really good sometimes, but mostly at this level, that's still great. But Aaliyah Edwards is going to be the one that has the potential to really transform this team from a guard-oriented, they-drive-the-team type model into, you know what, whatever you're throwing at us as an opponent, we're just going to hit you with where you're weakest. And that is a really dangerous combo. So, so much needs to happen in order for that to come to fruition. But that's the big question mark going into next year is, can Aaliyah Edwards be that player for this team? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And then I think the other question is, 
that depth in that front court. Who's the next player? You do get Aubrey Griffin back, which I feel like gets lost a little bit sometimes. So that could be a big asset in the front court in terms of who's the next player up off the bench. But can also Amar DeBerry make a leap or one of the freshmen come out and be solid? Because I think having that third option, especially when players can get in foul trouble, and that's definitely more of a problem in the front court, is going to be the other key piece for this team. Yeah, before we get into the newcomers, Aubrey Griffin is a really intriguing type of person on this team. Coming off that back surgery, I have a hard time really putting any sort of expectations on her because that's a really major back surgery. Fusing a disc, I think is what it was, or something like that, or fixing a disc. Any operation that you're having on your back is not a good thing. So I don't really... And I'm not a medical expert by any means, so I'm not saying I have any insight on what her recovery looks like or what she might be able to do off this recovery. But just for myself, I am keeping expectations low because I don't know how she's going to come off that. But yeah, if we do get even just the Aubrey Griffin we saw as a freshman and a sophomore where she's a rebounder, she grabs a lot of offensive boards, she can defend. That's a nice little boost for this team. I remember during the summer, Gino was talking about how he was trying to get her to shoot more and he was pulling her every single time she didn't shoot the ball on an open shot. So if you're going to go Aubrey Griffin, who can create shots on the offensive end, who can still get to the rim with the success that we saw in flashes her first couple of years and is still that really dominant rebounder defensive type. That's another element to this team that they didn't have this year that really would have helped against South Carolina That back is just a question mark, though. I have a really hard time having any sort of idea what the expectation should be there. So I'm just keeping it low until we have a better idea. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's fair. I think that's I think if she hadn't had back surgery, you would definitely just be talking about Aubrey Griffin being the third option in the front court and what she can bring. But I think it's safer to just not really have expectations for that for next year because like you said it is a really major surgery and it's not just I mean coming back from like a knee or something like that can be difficult and I think this is just a whole nother level she could be really impactful though Mm -hmm. it's just we'll probably get a better idea when the team hosts its summer workouts which I believe start June 1st ish somewhere around then so which is we'll probably get a like three weeks. <laughs> yeah, that's not that far away, which is a little terrifying. Anyways, yeah, I think we'll get a better idea of how much she's doing, how she looks once, you know, those are kind of in the swing of things. The others that you mentioned, though, starting with Amari DeBerry, I think it's fair to say she showed flashes multiple mm-hmm. times throughout the year, has a pretty good skill set. Gino said multiple times actually during the preseason that she's the most skilled big they've had in a long time. And I think when they asked him, someone asked him specifically, like, who would you point to as someone who's a more skilled big? I think he might've said, well, Stewie, but she doesn't really count. So maybe Steph Dolson, or he might've even gone further back from Steph Dolson. And regardless of anything, if you're putting any big player in the same category as Steph Dolson, that's very high praise. I feel like Steph Dolson kind of gets a little overshadowed with all the talent that they had at UConn when she was here for how good that she was. But if Amari DeBerry can just be a part of the rotation next year and can build on those flashes that we saw on the offensive end, on the defensive end, rebounding, 
she could be a pretty nice addition to next year's roster too, as almost like an experienced freshman in a way because of how little she played this year, but you still have that whole year of experience. She's still gotten a sense of what to expect from practice. If her work ethic can pick up, cause I know that was a thing that Gino talked about a lot. And if other things of that nature can be take a step forward, She's going to be on campus all summer, according to Gino. She could be a really interesting breakout player for next year. Yeah, I agree with that. I feel like he felt pretty positive about her attitude going into the summer, coming off of the Final Four. So I think that's a good sign. But yeah, if she can make a big leap this summer, and we've seen it many times with freshmen going into their sophomore year, so definitely could be something that happens. I think that's going to be a big asset for UConn especially if that pure skill is there I think that's probably some things that are harder to teach so if she can get the work ethic and the reps and everything to go along with that I still think you know who your starting front court is this year but she could definitely carve away into some more minutes for for next year and then especially going forward. Barry could be a really good way of replacing some of the production that Olivia Nelson Adota gave you with Nelson and passing ability and the way they kind of ran the offense through her. I'm not saying they're going to run the offense through Amari DeBerry, but if she can just provide some of that distribution from the low post, that helps take away the loss of Nelson and a little bit. It helps soften the blow at the very least, which we haven't seen a ton of passing from you Haas and Edwards, but nobody is as good as Olivia Nelson and was because for as much flack as she got and as inconsistent as she was and the mistakes that she did make, she was a really good passer and she did make the offense better when she was out there. Yeah, exactly. And I think something that got overlooked in her game a lot, but it's probably also part of why she's finding at least some success at the next level at this point is it's a unique skill for a post. So it's not something they're easily going to be able to, to replicate. Then there's the two freshmen, Ice Brady, a 6'3 post player out of California, and Ayanna Patterson, a 6'1", 6'2". I think her actual height is, is disagreed on a little bit, depending on who you ask. But in that range, wing-type player out of Indiana, I can't imagine that UConn's not going to try and use her more in the front court in the post than out on the wing. Gino's already said that he expects Ice Brady to help a lot once she gets onto campus and they get her in shape a little bit better. Cause he said, every freshman is never in college shape and they kind of get her settled in. He thinks she's going to help a lot. I've been driving the ice Brady train for a long time. I really like her skill. I think she has the potential to be that consistent outside shooter from the post that UConn's tried to have and hasn't really found a too much success. I think she might struggle with the physicality a little bit inside, but again, if you have Aaliyah Edwards or Dorky Uhas next to her, they can kind of take that brunt and let Ice Brady float around. And then Ayanna Patterson, I think, is just going to find minutes naturally because of her athleticism and her rebounding ability in the way that Aubrey Griffin did as a freshman. She doesn't need to be a scorer. If she just grabs rebounds and plays good enough defense and can use that athleticism to the best of her abilities that's going to be good enough because she's going to be behind Edwards and you And if things go well to Barry and maybe even ice Brady on the depth chart and Aubrey Griffin, we shouldn't forget her either. So she's just such a huge physical specimen that an athletic specimen that that's going to play at this level. 
as long as she's got her head screwed on correctly. And from all accounts, it seems like she does. So I think the impact that they have, they're in a really nice spot where they're going to need to contribute, but they're not going to be relied on so heavily that they might crumple under the pressure. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, what they can contribute is going to be a bonus for this team. They need something from them, but they don't need them to be stars right off the bat. And I think that that's a good spot to be in with your freshman. You don't necessarily want to have to be relying heavily on a freshman, especially early on in the season. So they're in a good spot to develop throughout the season, but hopefully they, as they, you know, kind of can work their way into more minutes and then be players that can kind of make a difference for the team when they get to March and things like that, where you need your depth. Right. And it is worth mentioning that there is still a potential that they could grab someone out of the transfer portal. I don't see it happening though. I don't really expect that to come to fruition. I think the roster that we have right now is the roster they're going to go into the season with. I don't expect that to change at all. And as I've said on this podcast, I think that's the right move because if you bring in a transfer forward, we saw with Dorky Yuhas last year that it's not guaranteed to be this immediate success. And on top of that, you're then potentially stunting the development of Amari DeBerry and the two freshmen, because Gino said at media day last year that sometimes it is beneficial to just throw the freshman into the fire and tell them you got to figure it out. Otherwise we're going to lose. That's not something that the, that DeBerry had to deal with this year. P.F. Gabriel didn't have to deal with it. Now she's gone, obviously. So having just enough pressure on them should be beneficial to their development. I am in the camp, and I might be alone in this camp, but I'm fine with that, in saying that they shouldn't have added someone in the transfer portal because you need to allow those players a chance to develop. As scary as it is to rely on a freshman or to even rely on a sophomore that hasn't played, for the long-term health of this program, you need those players to develop because Dorky Uhas is leaving after this year. Aliyah Edwards is leaving two years from now. There's not any obvious replacements except the, those three players on the roster to fill the front court. So you need to bring them along and you need to get them minutes and you need to play them, especially when they're highly touted players. P.F. Gabriel was a raw project type big. It's possible she never got to the level where she was going to contribute, but DeBerry, Brady, and Patterson, they're UConn's front court of the future, and you need to start integrating them, which is, there's opportunities for them. There wouldn't have necessarily been that opportunity if you added a big out of the transfer portal. Yeah, I think I'm kind of in the same type of view as you are too, because I don't think there was any like bigs in the, the transfer portal let you go okay well if you can get that player whatever you just do what you can to get that player so i think when you're not in a situation where you're adding someone of that level onto the transfer portal it makes more sense to develop your own talent especially when you do have a solid core to start with in edwards and uhas it's not like they need i mean they need a third player to contribute but they have lots of options to do that at the moment they don't need a third player or a, a second player for say that like needs to be able to make an impact immediately yeah, 100%. There's enough there that if you throw it all at the wall, something is bound to stick. Or potentially, if you throw something at the wall, Amari DeBerry is going to stick in November. Ice Brady is going to stick in January. 
and Ayanna Patterson's going to stick in March. You just need one of those three to be playing well at any given moment. And I think it's fair to expect some ups and downs from all of them. So you have three young players. As long as one of them's doing enough at any given moment, you'll be fine. Exactly. To wrap up, there is just some WNBA news with former Huskies. We'll start with the good. So Crystal Dangerfield last week, we discussed how she got waived by the Minnesota Lynx. She did get signed. She got picked up by the Indiana Fever. So she's on a team. Whether or not she's actually in the WNBA is a different story, depending on your view of the Fever. But veteran player, relative veteran player for that roster. She's been in the league. This is her third year now. Going to be plenty of opportunity for playing time. I can't imagine it's anything more than a one-year deal. So if she plays well with the Fever this year, presumably she could hit free agency or do they have some weird rules so i think technically right now she's on a hardship contract because they still have players abroad so the fever will have to make cuts but i wouldn't be surprised to see her stick over maybe some of the other players on their roster so will kind of depend i think right now it's just on an unguaranteed contract but yeah i think either way unless they sign her to something more than that and when they do have to make cuts she would be a free agent next season if she plays well, I mean, if she plays well, it would give her a chance to stick on the roster. And if she does that and continues playing well, then she would have maybe more of a pick of her team next season in free agency. I just have a hard time believing that crystal Dangerfield's not going to stick in this league for a long time. Even if she's just a reserve guard, she's proven that she can play in the league. When you get cut as a matter of, rosters and salary cap numbers you're bound to stick somewhere else in my opinion yeah exactly and if she does get cut in indiana because not, not that she should but you just you never know with indiana um, i wouldn't be surprised to see her get picked up somewhere else too at some point yeah the other news olivia nelson adota officially made the los angeles sparks roster last week when we recorded it was still up in the air it wasn't official she officially made the roster She's also injured, so she hasn't played at all. I'm a little curious if this injury kind of seemed to crop up out of nowhere. So maybe it was something that happened in practice. Maybe they're trying to just hold on to her spot and use a hardship waiver to roll around with other players and just keep her on the roster. I don't know what it is, but the fact that she even made a team at all is pretty impressive, especially because when the draft happened, if you made me rank which players I thought were most likely to make a roster, Olivia Nelson Adota probably would have been third on my list. Same, especially considering the Sparks um, cap situation, but they ended up full season suspending Amanda Zowie B, which opened up a fair amount of cap room for the keep, them to keep her, plus Ray Burrell and a couple other players. For now, it feels like she's going to stick there for the season too, because I think they may have a hardship open right now because Katie Lustamilson is still abroad and Christy Tolliver is still coaching in the NBA, but both of those players are guards. So I can't imagine it's going to be Liv that's going when they need to get rid of someone. Um, so it, it should be interesting. I think honestly, there could be a decent amount of opportunity for her just with, I mean, their backup center is Sinead McKay has a bad history with injuries. And then you've got, Liz Cambage has had quite a bit of foul trouble the first couple games, so could be interesting when she's healthy. On to the bad news. Mariah Jefferson gets waived by the Dallas Wings. She didn't play much in the early games, and the release made it sound like 
I don't know how much of it is just, you know, roster speak, but the wings were going in a different direction. They felt that Mariah Jefferson deserved a bigger opportunity elsewhere. It will be interesting to see if she gets picked up somewhere and if she gets picked up somewhere, how much that might, how much she might even play there because obviously injuries have been an issue with her as well. So it was one of those things that it was a little surprising at first, but then the more you think about it, the more it's like, ah, that I can kind of see that now. Yeah, I kind of agree. It was shocking at first, especially because she started, I think like 28 games for them last season, but I think they've had a lot of success with Marina Mabry at the point guard position. And then they also have Ty Harris and Alicia Gray and a few other guards that have done well for them. So she wasn't really playing. It, it kind of makes sense. Just one last WNBA note, Brianna Stewart reached her 2000th point, 3000 point. 3000 point. Yeah. yeah I think it was 3000s. One of the quickest players ever to do so. So Stewie continuing to do Stewie things. <laughs> Unsurprisingly. Nope. On that note, that'll do it for this episode of Chasing Perfection. You can follow Megan on Twitter at Megan Gower. You can follow me on Twitter at Daniel B. Connolly. Be sure to subscribe to the show. Tell a friend I am terrible with technology, so I still can't figure out how to actually get it on its own feed. We're working on it. We're working on it. Read the UConn blog. Sign up for the UConn Women's Basketball Weekly. Megan, what you got for us? Uh, I'll have you almost summer. We'll have summer workouts to talk about soon somehow. (laughs) Finally. Actual (laughs) things to talk about with the team. It's always wonderful. That'll do it. Thanks for listening.